Welcome to Table Talk, a place to gather, guide, and go. Each month, join your hosts, Alyssa De Los Santos and Jill Dobrowanski, as they discuss scripture, life experiences, and everything in between. At our table, we provide a seat for those who have been told there is no room for them. We look forward to having you gather, guide, and go with us each month at Table Talk, where there's always room for one more at our table. Well, welcome to Table Talk, friends. We are here for our second episode. This is a community space where we gather, guide, and go together. And, and I'm Alyssa De Los Santos. And I'm Jill Dobrowanski. And we are thrilled that you've pulled up a seat to the table this month. You know, um, last month we, we issued a go, and the go was to accept or extend an invitation to the table. And, um, you know, <laughs> what's the old saying that a teacher always has to learn the lesson first, right? And so I had an opportunity to accept an invitation. And frankly, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to show up in a room with a slew of people I did not know and um, be stretched. Frankly, it was a stretching. And what's interesting is that I think, I, I think the yes to that invitation is the beginning of something new in our family. And, and, and I love that. So, so we wanna hear, and we have heard a few examples of people who either extended an invitation or accepted an invitation. What a great thing. What a great thing to hear how we're using this. Um, so here's the thing, this week or this month, we're actually gonna talk about elevating truth over tradition and what that looks like in real time and how we can adjust from worn paths to establishing new ones. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about issuing the go that we do at the end, right, Jill, is that you can learn all things in one dimension, right? Yes. I could learn all the instruments of a control panel of an airplane, but if I never get in the plane and, and log flight hours, I would never get my pilot's license. And, th and that's so true in our faith as well, right? Don't we agree that it's one thing to be filled with head knowledge and it's a whole other thing to actually put into practice the things we've learned. Yes, yes. And I even know that um, an old college friend of yours reached out to us to say, I have not spoken to Alyssa in years. And I loved that first episode. Thank you for inviting me to the table. Yeah, so powerful. It really is so powerful. The invitation is so powerful. So um, so let's, let's remember that friends, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email, comment on the video, like how has this go impacted you? And of course we'll issue another one. Also difficult. I think the goes are difficult, but we're, we'll issue another one this week. So since the last time we gathered, I had an opportunity to actually pull up a chair at an, an additional table. We were celebrating the birthday of a friend and we were so thrilled to be in close, close proximity-ish. Um, <laughs> you know, after a really long year of what yeah. feels like really dry connection or, or not enough connection or 
all manner of things. And, and we pulled up a table and we were celebrating another year of life with a friend. And I, uh, one of the other people around the table just casually began speaking of this plant theory. And I'm no green thumb, um, really, but I, the writer in me is always listening for that illustration, always listening for a process that, that does resonate somewhere in me. And she started talking about this theory. It maybe you've heard of it. It's called sleep, creep, and leap plant theory. Well, so I'm listening. I mean, no clue, but I'm listening and, and I'm making mental notes. Like I need to go look this up as soon as I get home. Very often, it seems I'm the only one at the table that doesn't know what we're talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I'm like, note to self, you need to figure out what that is. So, so let me explain what sleep, creep, and leap means. So I looked it up and these were some words that I found. I'm going to read them to you first so that I don't get them quite wrong. I'm not super horticultury. So the, the first year of this theory, the sleep year, it says that's, that's the first year when perennials are planted. So within that first year, they are working really hard, but there's nothing that's really visible above the surface of the soil because the roots are working so hard to go deep. Of course, that's where all the nourishment is going to come and they've got to be able to take up the water and nutrients. Well, year two, then these plants creep. And this doesn't uh, necessarily mean there's super slow growth. What it does mean is that it does begin to grow in a way that's visible to the eye. So in that first year, you don't see that growth. The second year, you see a little growth. And it says typically that's in the form of new foliage. Mm -hmm. And those, that foliage is, of, of course, absorbing the sunshine and working with the strong roots, right? For looking toward the next year. Ah, love that. Okay. And in year three, then the plants leap. And this is sort of the year that apparently if you are a green thumb, this is the year you're waiting for. It's when you <laughs> actually see this great growth. And what I thought was very interesting is according to this theory, after year three and kind of maybe four and five, it does come to a point wait for it, where, where it's best to split the plant Ooh. to encourage continued flourishing. And so kind of that transplanting process, Ooh, that, that really struck me because I thought, okay, there's some, some deep metaphor for life there. And, and so actually, according to the theory, the phrase, which was beautiful, said that the plant might have to be divided to encourage vitality once again. And so that, that was beautiful, but this theory got me thinking actually about something that happened the first year I had to spend Thanksgiving alone. Mm -hmm. I had been served divorce papers just a few weeks prior to Thanksgiving and I could not travel the 1000 miles home and I would not have my two littles with me. And the prospect of sitting at the table alone on a holiday when the images in my mind were that everyone else was gathering and having this great time with people that loved them. The thought of just being alone was, was just nearly enough to, to wreck me to the point of um, just inarticulate sorrow. You see, divorce 
something I never planned or wanted had stolen my voice. And I felt like a failure. I felt like a failure because I had heard time and again that God hated divorce. Yeah. And somehow in my tradition of faith, that truth alone became a disqualifier in my life. And if you were divorced, what, the, what I had come to was that you were disqualified from all things. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, Jill, I felt like in essence that God hated me. Wow. When you hear God hates divorce and you are now among the divorced, it, it, that feels personal. And, and here's the, here's the reality that couldn't be further from the truth. And I was not excluded from the table, right? It wasn't until an elder and his precious wife extended an invitation to me that very Thanksgiving to the black eyed pea of all places. I don't even think they're open anymore. They said, come and and eat with us. It wasn't until then that I began to consider the possibility that God didn't hate me. So the, the reality is that invitation was my year one. Yeah. And I couldn't do much, but just show up. But there were things that were happening. There was healing that was happening below the surface where so that my roots could could really go deep, could drink in the water of kindness, the water of generosity. But the reality was, Jill, I was showing up in community, but I wasn't contributing anything. Mm -hmm. And yet the invitation to the table in year one was what saved my life, what truly saved my life. Now, the second year, I did experience growth, right? I began some new leaves in the plant theory, the new foliage. Well, I had some new growth too. I had a little bit of healing and I had a little bit to show for that original invitation to come up. And and, and you get the idea, right? That we hold on to these false beliefs that somehow if we've failed at anything, we've lost our invitation to community. We've lost our ability to share our voice, you know, that yeah. that happens. But truth over tradition would tell us otherwise, wouldn't it, Jill? Doesn't it? <laughs> it does always. And, you know, it's when the tradition becomes the truth that right. the idols get all mixed up. Um, that actually, you telling me reminded me of um, the issue, the, the woman in the New Testament, the, the woman with the issue of blood. Um, yeah. We see it in Mark, but then we also see a more detailed account of it in Luke chapter five, where mm-hmm. that for years, this woman had been suffering and Jesus was out ministering and preaching and the crowd was closing in on him, and he was just trying to move forward. And everybody was trying to be, you know, bring their healing or, or their, their request to him. And this woman was, you know, in some accounts on the ground, literally crawling just to touch his cloak. Because her faith was saying that he can heal her. She had exhausted all of her finances. She had exhausted every doctor that she could have imagined. And here she is, because as we know, Leviticus tells us that in that community, she was unclean. And so she could not be touched by anybody. And so she was also being so ostracized and had taken that tradition to believe the truth. But yet here's her one chance. And she put all of her faith in just touching the hem of Jesus's robe, I believe is how Luke calls it. And like Jesus felt it immediately. 
And he turned and he said, who touched me? And everybody was like, no, not me, not me, not me. And she prostrated herself at his feet and said, it was I, Lord. And his response was, you know, where's your faith and go now. Mm-hmm. And it just, it re- that invitation that you got on that Thanksgiving mm-hmm. yeah. reminds me so much of that. Yeah. Um, because your faith could have also been crippled. Oh, and it was, let's be honest. Yeah. Right. I, I also felt ostracized like that the woman with the issue of blood. I, I relate with her so much. I love that she doesn't have a name because we bear her name, right? Yes. She becomes each of us. And and I love that she had tried everything because to be honest with you, before a marriage splinters and falls apart, you try everything. You try everything in your own strength. And I believed for for healing, but but I connect, I connect with her so much. And and my faith was waning her. Don't you know that her faith ultimately had to drive her toward Jesus, but before it drove her toward Jesus, what else had it driven her toward self-sufficiency and figuring things out? And boy, howdy, can I relate? Yeah. But you know that the whole point of scripture, God's number one desire is to restore us to himself, but then to restore us to community. And we mm. see that through the narrative scripture, narrative of scripture over and over that, yes, he wants to restore us to him, but he also heals us in order to restore us in our communities, because this yeah. is where things happen. Don't, don't you think it's no, it's no surprise or that she would be healed in community. Think about that for just a minute. Wow. The juxtaposition of where she had been for 12 years. And that the, when she received the healing, when she was restored, it was right in the middle of a big old crowd. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that makes powerful. the introverts nervous, right? But I think so often our healing, it, while it's private, it's also public. Yeah, very much and, so, especially for people like us who are sharers, mm-hmm. which we've had to learn to do. We've had, we've had to learn to trust that. God is going to put the words in our mouth and and somebody who needs to hear it is going to hear it at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing about that woman, um, I love that you brought that up. You know, Jill, she would have been voiceless. She wasn't, no one was inviting her to the table because of her uncleanliness. No. And she lived outside the camp. Yes. Right. She had to live outside the camp and, And I felt that way in my season of divorce. I was an outsider. Mm -hmm. I felt every bit like an outsider. No one told me that, Mm -hmm. but it, but it was my experience when, when the, when the tradition of my faith said you had failed, you're a failure. Well, that was partially true. The marriage had failed, but God didn't hate me and God didn't hate her while she was in her suffering. Um, but she probably felt disqualified from community more than just the fact that the Levitical law told her she was, she probably didn't feel like she had much to contribute. And I was thinking about this truth that, have you heard this, that thoughts become beliefs and beliefs become action? Yes. And, And I think sometimes if we think we're excluded, then we begin to behave that way. 
And we can yeah. easily become a victim to say, well, everyone's excluding me instead of examining, are there, are there things that I'm believing? Am I elevating? Have I made tradition an idol instead of elevating the truth that God's forgiveness, if, if Jesus's cleanliness was enough that the unclean woman could touch him, my divorce doesn't, doesn't even stand up to his cleanliness. There's, there's enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, so, it, you, there was something you said before you had said it yourself. You said that you were getting, first of all, you were alone mm-hmm. and you were starting to feel like this is how it's going to be. Yeah. So you were starting to believe that narrative mm-hmm. in your head and only God could have gotten you to church that day where mm-hmm. the elder said, come share Thanksgiving with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An invitation to the table is so very powerful. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I really didn't want to go because in the, in that, in that plant theory, the sleep year, mm-hmm. I, I really just felt like I just needed to be isolated that the battle felt too big. It felt like I didn't want to get into that space. I I love Beth Moore says in her book, Audacious, she says, anything that makes a home in our brains finds a way to our bones. Ooh, that's good. Right. And, and so, but the thing is, if I ruminated long enough that I didn't fit, that I didn't belong, that my voice was silenced, that's how, again, thoughts become beliefs, beliefs become actions. That is the way I, I, was inclined to carry myself, right? Mm. But my voice, it wasn't silenced. Is there a season where it had to sleep? Yeah, but but that's where the real work was happening. That's where the growth happened. My, what burdens me is to think about people who feel silenced and then remain silenced. And maybe their tradition says, you're a woman, you don't fit here, or, or you failed in this, you don't fit here, or addiction is part of your story, you, you, you don't belong here. Mm. And I think this, this story that you shared it from scripture says, actually, you do belong here. Yeah, yeah. There's a line in a song, um, it says that uh, church should look more like a hospital, mm-hmm. because it is, it should be a home for the broken, for the ostracized, for the unclean. Mm-hmm. And isn't it, isn't that us though? Isn't that all of us? Yes. And, and although, although we're inclined to cover up our brokenness, the reality is that's the very essence of growth is when I can recognize my extreme need for a savior. Yes. Yeah. And but then, then- and we switch the idolatry back. We put, we put him Christ back where he belongs. Yes. And then we can become the ones to extend the invitation. Yes. We can be the ones to say, you know what? I think that they're sleeping a little bit too long. Oh, that's good. Let's see how I can serve them. Mm. Oh, that's so good. You know, I think that, that when we elevate tradition over truth, 
that we have created that idol um, and, and of what we've always done or a oh, wait for it. Cause I personally struggle with this. What's comfortable. Yes. yes. Right. Well, if it stretches us, it feels, it can feel a little like too much work, but the truth calls us to a higher standard to mm-hmm. say, who told you that? Where did you learn that? Is that, is that from God's word? Mm-hmm. And, and causing us, causing us to say, okay, if, if God's ultimate desire is to restore us to himself and to community, then I need to, I need to stand everything up against everything else up against that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I just further in that story, Jill, I went to that same elder and I said, I, I guess I can't serve in, in this uh, ministry where I guess I can't serve in the ministry anymore because I'm going through a divorce. And he looked at me square in the eye and he said, who told you that? Mm. No, you keep serving. You were called into a battle and you're going to have to fight, but no one is disqualifying your voice and that mattered to me so very much. I think life could have gone in a very different direction for me at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want to circle back to something you were saying about when the beliefs and when we then return to Christ and make Christ the center, um, you know, we then know where to turn for the truth because it's found right here. It's found in these pages. And that's where we can see, like you said, examples of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, As hard as it may be sometimes to see that, but we can also find the truth. Mm. And it's through that, it's through him. And that's it. Because we're Mm -hmm. also taught things, even not only sometimes from tradition, but also from the pulpit that we may question and we may say, okay, Mike, I always ask myself, where is that found in scripture? Mm -hmm. And any teaching, I will always ask, where is that found in scripture? And if that person can't answer me and I have to question, whoa, what is the belief that they're trying to impart on me? Mm. Yeah, that's wisdom though, Jill. It's, it's wisdom to say, where does that come from? Where, what, help me understand where you're coming from there. And very often, and maybe even in my year one of sleeping, maybe I was, I was spoon fed and believed things that I shouldn't, but by that year two, where I had new growth, that's where I was also reaching for my own understanding and not in my own way. What I mean is digging deeper into God's word to figure out who am I really? What is my identity? My identity, I had gone to the broken cistern of marriage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was rooted in my own story where having been a child of divorce, I did not want to have children who would then carry that same, I will call it a stigma. It was absolutely a stigma when I went through it. And, you know, that's, but learning that in year two for myself, like in year one, I had people show up and they would literally read scripture over me. Like I couldn't pray for myself. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't have words. I was so broken. I was, I was so desperate to, to um, like the woman with the issue of blood. I was so desperate to be healed. Yeah. I was so desperate not to feel the pain and, and people would come and they would read scripture over me. They would pray for me when I had no words. And by year two, then I could be, I could begin doing that for others. And, and the best part of that, this, that narrative of scripture that you were sharing is that he turns to her and he calls her daughter. Yes. He says, daughter, your, your faith has healed you. And here's the thing. That was the only time it's recorded in scripture that he used that word. Wow. And that's for us. If we don't believe that his desire is to restore us to himself, he wouldn't call us daughter. He wouldn't call her daughter. And he says daughter, because he's saying, you know, you fit here, you're in the family. And that's the beauty of the table, right? To say, there's a space for you here. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many years you've strayed from Christ. There's always space for it. For, for you to return to him, for me to return to him, for us to return to him in, in and out of those seasons. So I love that part of that story. I love that you shared, shared that. But I also love how, you know, she goes from this time of sleeping, we see it into now she's going to be moving into a growth cycle because yeah. she is now going to be able to say, look at me. I've mm. been healed by faith. I've been healed by the only one who could heal me. Yeah. And then going over to be able to then, you know, like you said, that separation, that, that separating the plants um, in that year three. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dividing to encourage more vitality. Isn't that lovely? But you know what? Isn't that true? You, you bring up this great point because we can't go through those phases and receive that healing and not share. Yes. Right. Because testimony is a big part of that to say for her, you know, she went and told everyone. I mean, she was in a, this crowded space. Lots of people saw it. Yes. But you know, she never stopped telling that story. No. And, and that's why when we invite people to the table, we tell the story and we tell it again and we tell it again. And inevitably you have a family member that who tells the same story over and over. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to the point where you're either annoyed with it or you just start piping in and telling, <laughs> telling the story with them. Like I'll tell the next line, but why? Because when I share my story, it becomes your story and it becomes another piece of the narrative that you can tell and it, an extent, it extends the truth. Yeah. And don't we want to do that? Don't we want to elevate truth? Don't we want truth to be in its proper position so that we are not making idols out of the things that we believe, but aren't true. Mm. Powerful. Mm-hmm. So powerful. And we talked about this last time is that in the work that we do, like, you know, as serving others, especially women, um, because we've, like you said, maybe we've been taught that we are to be silent in the church or we are, we don't have a place in the church unless it's with the kids ministry. Um, you know, we, we've all been there, but to now then say, okay, here, I'm going to walk alongside of you as you begin to grow in your faith. And you can come to the table asleep, but we're not going to let you stay there. Yes. 
Oh, that's good, right? Yeah. Well, I because I think don't, that, don't you think this is true? That sometimes when we think I don't have anything to contribute, so I'm not going to show up at the table because somehow we think, well, if I've been invited and I'm going to feast, then I need to bring something like, right? Like, mm. did you grow up believing this would be tradition that you always had to show, you couldn't show up empty handed if you had been given oh. an invitation? Yep. <laughs> so you have to bring something. And the rea- the truth is, especially in this narrative of scripture is no, you don't. Sometimes you just show up to the table with your need, but you're right, Jill, you, but, but that won't always be true, Mm -hmm. right? You can't stay in your one around the table because we heal in community. We do. Yes. And so we begin to heal. Even when we don't feel like we want to, we begin to heal because heart to heart and spirit to spirit, there's something that happens that's inarticulate. It's that new foliage that comes in that year two, because the roots have had a chance to drink in the nourishment of the living water, right? Yes. Yes. And the new foliage grows. Yes. And then in year three, we begin to bear that fruit. Yeah. And, you know, we all know what happens with fruit, you know, new seeds are being produced. Yeah. So therefore you can be divided and made anew. Yeah. Mm. Which means you might have to, and after year three, so to speak, it might be time for you to set a table all your own. Yeah. Right. And invite new people to that table. I think that's the entire point. The point isn't for us to be comfortable in the chair that we occupy at a table. The point is to always be, I think, creating longer tables, right? Or, or creating a new table, pulling up new chairs, seeing new people. We're not supposed to stay in that comfortable circle of, of the two or three that, that really know us. That's a safe place, but that's also not the place where we just camp out and pitch our tent for the rest of our lives. It reminds me of when I was growing up, um, we had, I, I mean, we had a, a medium-sized family, but at holidays, we always had the kids' table. Yeah. Because there wasn't enough room at the, at the big table. And so we always had that kids' table. And eventually, you're going to outgrow it. And I mean, I, I think we all remember that time where we got invited and we were allowed for the first time to sit at the big table. But we, as we, can't, we couldn't stay there. Yeah. We had to grow. And mm. then we had to then you know, now we're all at different tables with our own families. Right. So we've multiplied. Mm. Oh, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. And it so illustrates the plant theory so well. (laughs) I mean, look at that. And I'm not even agreeing with them, but that it's so true. Goodness. And, and fear, I think tells us to, to not do those things. Mm Mm-hmm. Cannot separate and, and create a new space. And the reality is it's the natural order of things. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly like we said last week, what we want to do here. Yes. Please. That's our <laughs> only that's our only hope and prayer, right? And and I want to be that that invitation that was extended to me so many years ago when I was going to be alone. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the depth of that sorrow was real. And, and I want to, I want to always have a chair here, Jill, where the person who thinks I'm going to show up and I can't speak for a whole year, but I'm going to just need to pull up a chair and, and receive nutrients from way down below. And, and I want to always be that person. And, 
And I know you do too. And I mean, that's why we're here. So what about this? What about, what's a go for us, Jill? What's a go? How do we take this, this information, this lesson from scripture that has guided us how do we go and live this out on mission in our real world away from this space? What, what do you suggest? I think part of it is just showing up and then also being a voice for somebody who may feel silenced. Mm. So one of the things I think about, and both of you and I being in education, we have a lot of experience working with uh, special needs populations. And there's a ministry in my church that was started a couple of years ago because we saw a need. Um, I just read a recent statistic that 90 to 95% of uh, families with children with special needs do not attend church because they don't feel welcome. And yeah, I know like as educators that breaks our heart as humans, as, as Christ followers, that breaks our heart. Yeah, we have this ministry at church for teenagers and adults with special needs, Mm -hmm. where once a week they can come to the table. I lead the teaching team so they hear the word. Um, They don't have to be followers. Some of them have chosen to follow Jesus um, over the years, but we're inviting them to have a seat at that table and Mm -hmm. to say you're welcome here and we, we love you here. Um, and I know like Tim Tebow Foundation does a lot of work with Night to Shine with the prom yeah. for special needs. Yeah. Our church also does that. So we do a lot mm-hmm. of that outreach. And that's the first thing I thought about this week with, with the go is how can we, even if it's just one person, yeah. how can we extend an invitation to somebody who is believing tradition mm-hmm. over truth and is feeling like they are the outcast or feeling like they've been silenced. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that requires us to be aware Mm -hmm. and it requires us to be good listeners because how do we know if someone's feeling like an outcast? I mean, we would have to be paying attention. We would have to, we would have to listen. Mm -hmm. And clearly in the ministry that you're involved with, which is beautiful, Clearly within that ministry, someone was listening to know that this statistic is real, that families with children or, or adult children that have special needs feel like they don't belong. What a tragedy. Mm. What, what a tragedy. And yet that's one story of many who feel voiceless. So, so that's good. So we'll think about who's someone that feels voiceless and and how can we show up to be a voice Mm -hmm. for someone who's feeling voiceless? Okay. That, that really has me thinking. Or the other thing too, is if you are the one feeling voiceless, who can you reach out to? Vulnerability alert, but yes, Mm. (laughs) so, so good and necessary. And listen, reach out to us. Yes. Uh, We'd be happy to, to, to be carriers of your story. If you're feeling outcast or silenced, we, we would be delighted and honored actually to, to carry that story and to know your situation. So, yeah. And even though we may not have horticultural green thumbs, I know we've got (laughs) spiritual ones. Absolutely. 
Praise Jesus. That's enough. Apparently. <laughs> that's I so love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Lisa, you know, thank you for being, you know, sharing that because that is vulnerable and sometimes it is scary, but, um, you know, I challenge all of our viewers where that if you are not the one being silenced to find somebody who may feel that way and walk alongside of them, or if you are to reach out to someone or to us, like you said, you know, we would, I always say I treat when somebody shares something with me, I treat it as a a very precious gift and it is, you know, no judgment. It is just caring and and just nurturing. Like you do your plant, nurture and feed and, you know, watch them grow. Yeah. Mm. Sleep, leap and creep. We can do this. We can. Yeah, we can. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today at Table Talk, a place to gather, guide, and go. We were so happy to have you pull up a seat at our table. We hope that you got something from this conversation today or that you know someone who that you could share this episode with who might need to hear this message. As always, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so that you never miss an episode of Table Talk. And we look forward to having you join us again next month. And until then, may God bless you and continue to keep you safe.